1: to the Unbelievable Podcast. I am B Riddell, back here with my guy, Drew Maholt. And today, well, we're continuing on with Minnesota Vikings training camp. Uh, The Vikings have had some interesting news headlines in the last week or so. One of them just about gave us a heart attack with Justin Jefferson um, suffering Mm -hmm. an injury. If you haven't seen, it was not a serious injury, but for about 15 to 20 minutes there. It looked
0: looked and uh, sounded like a collarbone.
1: Yeah, it didn't look good. So everyone had a minor panic attack for about 15 minutes or so, and we'll discuss that and kind of what we learned as a result of that injury, where that panic came from. Uh, Also, Kirk Cousins continues to remain in the news. Uh, Something of note, you know, we've been kind of paying attention to the way that he's performed since returning, and uh, there has been some kind of interesting developments um, that we're going to talk about with Cousins in terms of just inconsistency and just an overall change in kind of personality to a degree uh, that have been reported from Vikings training camp. So we'll talk about that a little bit because it seems to be somewhat noteworthy here. Um, In addition to that here, we've got just some final other notes, of course, you know, Christian Derrissaw lingering injury and the impact that's having. Uh, So we'll touch on all of those things and anything else that comes up here. So uh, that is the game plan for today here. Uh, Of course, like I said at the top here, the big news is Justin Jefferson and the reported AC joint sprain, which now let me walk you through kind of what Vikings Twitter looked like if you weren't online mm-hmm. for the moment um, that this occurred, right? So 99% of us that follow the Vikings hard are not standing there on the sideline at training camp right now. Uh, of course, that's, you know, reserved just for the reporters for the most part. So we're basically feeding off of, you know, three or four Twitter updates that come all in the row and then, you know. Small it's amazing how, quickly, it's amazing how quickly it's amazing
0: how quickly that that permeates through the right. internet,
1: right? Right, <laughs> and so the initial announcement, right, with Justin Jefferson was that he came down hard on his shoulder and that he wasn't moving. Now, if you've seen the video since then, that's exactly what happened. Uh, Jefferson Jefferson essentially went up for a ball, he came down awkwardly on pain. that shoulder, and he was in significant pain. Right, exactly. So. What ultimately happened here is we, your mind goes to collarbone, like Drew said before. Everyone freaks out and thinks collarbone. There's also the clavicle in there, which is subst- substantial time and requires surgery as well. And, of course, being Vikings fans, nobody even thought, oh, might might just be a shoulder sprain. Might be I don't think anyone would have pinpointed AC joint, but it might just be a shoulder sprain.
0: Nope. An expert, a medical expert may have, may have pinpointed it.
1: Yeah, and I think a couple of them did. But uh, all the twitters out there, Twitter doctors out there in Minnesota were ready to panic, and rightfully so, right? So Jefferson ultimately comes back mostly unscathed from this issue. The result, though, where that panic came from, everyone's thinking, okay, Justin Jefferson goes down, we're in major trouble. Well, why are you in major trouble? You've got Adam Thielen. You know, you just drafted a rookie receiver from Iowa that you like in smith Mars. You've got a couple of other guys. Yeah, BC Johnson just went down with an ACL. But you've got D.D. Westbrook coming up. You've got to like some of these rookie undrafted guys that have been making plays in training camp as well. So where's the panic come from? Where, Why was everyone freaking out?
0: I think, oh, number one, it's just Justin Everson's really good and not having I him mean, that's the available. There, yeah. That's the number one. But I think the next level of that is – at least in my so, and if you've been listening to the show, you know how much I've been preaching wide receiver depth, wide receiver depth, wide receiver depth. And they finally signed D.D. Westbrook, which was solid move, especially for the vet minimum. But there's still like you still think about the scenario where Jefferson and or Thielen not available for a game. I don't like where the Vikings are left there. Um And so you know, because then you have Chad Beebe, you have D.D. Westbrook, and then you have. You're Smith marset maybe. Um, it's a kind of a, you know, and do you, yeah, and do you, do you trust those guys to carry the weight, uh, and be available for Kirk Cousins when it's needed on third and seven, you know? Um, I don't. And that's where, at least for me, from a football sense, obviously I panicked for the sake of Justin Jefferson's health and, um, also for fantasy owners that might have him from a dynasty league or something like that. But, uh, you know, it's, that was for me, like, I think it's still concerning the fact that, you know, wide receiver depth is an issue. And yeah, even the signing of Westbrook for me didn't like, you know, okay, we're fine with an injury. We're okay. Like that was not what I thought right off the bat there. So it's still concerning to me that there's a depth problem. And I need someone for me, I need someone to step up in camp and show me that they can be a reliable option there uh, to, to to solidify that depth. That is still concerning to me.
1: So this is really the big kind of major takeaway, right, is I think despite the fact that he was so good as a rookie and despite the fact that Vikings fans as a whole are in love with Justin Jefferson and in love with the potential that he has to be a Hall of Fame caliber wide receiver for this organization for a long time, I think we still somehow underestimated how valuable he is to this team, right? Because you think about, in your mind, you've got two 1A, one 1B one in Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson. That was kind of that's – that's been the take. This kind of injury and the reaction from it suggests to me that pretty much everyone is on board with Justin Jefferson as the true number one at this point. If you lose Justin Jefferson, the wide receiver death chart looks a whole lot different. Just It falls apart completely mm-hmm. because all of a sudden that it creeps into your mind. Oh, Adam Thielen's on the wrong side of 30. Oh, Adam Thielen – Well, he's
0: he is banged up himself right now. Exactly
1: right. Hasn't been fully healthy for what better part of the last two years now. Like there's real question marks. If you lose Justin Jefferson, it's not just that he's becoming one of the best receivers in the league. It's not just that he's extremely likable and everyone enjoys his personality and what he brings to the organization culture wise. It's the fact that without Justin Jefferson, Jeff, Justin Jefferson this wide receiver depth chart goes from looking very very good one of the strongest in the league to straight up shitty like not good like a bad a like a high impact position that's not going to be good adam peelan's ultimately going to get double covered I mean how much how much confidence can you really have in KJ Osborne to be your number two despite having a strong camp I think he's making a case to be you know, mm-hmm. the next guy sounds like he's a getting shot.
0: a lot of reps with, you know, your, your that's the other side of team, now, which too. is, and that's maybe the guy, you know, I've heard good things about Blake pro. Is that his name? Blake pro yeah. uh, as well. Um He's, you know, flash a little bit. So again, I haven't been to camp. Uh, this is merely reading from people and, and listening to people that have been there and that I would trust uh, their opinion on things. Um But those are the, the two guys that have stepped up. Now I see preseason games where, that would be the next step would be uh, seeing how they perform in game action.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, they're going to have the opportunity here in the preseason and we're going to get to see a lot of different combinations here. Sorry. My dog is going crazy. It's my dad's dog actually. So blame my dad's dog. Uh, (laughs) But uh, anyway, so the, the wide receiver position, this is kind of a good thing, right? Like Jefferson being hurt, Never going to be excited about that. Always a bad thing. Injuries suck. Good news is that it's not that serious. It's not a – I guess it could potentially linger. But this is not a career like throughout your career. It sounds
0: like he'll be fully ready to go week one.
1: This isn't something to worry about long term is what I'm trying to say here. Now, what this means is that other players are going to get Justin Jefferson's time at training camp. And while I do think that Justin Jefferson could benefit from his second – you know, really his first full year of training camp as a starter, I think he could benefit from those reps. But I think it's fair to say that KJ Osborne, Amir Smith uh Blake Prohl, I mean, Wop Filers had a couple of hilariously great plays that just came out of nowhere. DD uh, Westbrook, of course, is going to need to get time eventually to become more accustomed to the offense. You have more snaps available now. So, to a degree, I mean, because Jefferson's going to be fine and because yeah, you know that's he's the silver be lining, one or two. Yeah, that is the silver lining here. But you have the opportunity to get a better look at some of these guys and. Maybe the opinion isn't so grim by the end of this training camp. If you could see, hey, does this KJ Osborne's route running or improved route running, I should say, and ability to make catches in traffic, does that translate to for preseason? I don't mm-hmm. know if it translates to the regular season. Let's find out if it changes to the preseason first. I mean, right. you might have a bona fide number three here. This is a you might, uh, you might, you might, and you could say this because he didn't thing. really get a chance at,
0: at wide receiver no. last year, he was no. special no. teams a guy Puppet only.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so. Yeah. It's an interesting scenario that the Vikings have kind of cooked up for themselves, but it's it's just so funny that the second a guy, you know, a, a household name, if you will, gets hurt, we all think it's going to end up like Teddy Bridgewater at this point. I mean, I expected ACL just when I heard he fell on the ground. Of course, we find out that it's a shoulder, but then you expect broken collarbone, broken clavicle or whatever oh, it
0: is. That's what we're trained as Vikings. That's how we're trained to, to think. be.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, it, it's, it's too bad, but... Um, I hey I, think, I will say so Zimmer
0: ahead. said uh what did Zimmer say today on the he went to the podium and uh made the joke he said he said jefferson's injury is certainly not a tweak uh that he'll be back soon referring to his comment last year when he called hunter's injury a tweak that forced him to miss the whole season uh so the, it sounds like uh you know it shouldn't be that big a deal it should be back week one no problem uh probably could play week three that kind of quote-unquote dress rehearsal mm-hmm. game but i would be surprised if they put him out there for
1: that he shouldn't be, he shouldn't see any preseason action. Um, just get ready for week one at this point. I mean, we know what he can do. Like I just said, it's good that it'd be nice to have him get those reps. Probably mm-hmm. don't need them. Um, and I am interested at this point because with BC Johnson gone, it's so much more opened up now. Like if Jefferson goes down and BC Johnson is still on the field well, he slots in right away at your number two wide receiver, you know, he starts getting the reps immediately. Uh but because he's gone now, all of a sudden, you just got question marks across the board. I mean, Dan Chis- uh, is it Chizana or Chesna? He's getting reps now. I will never say his na- last name right. I've Tom said it Dan. wrong for two years now. Yeah, it's just Dan. Is Dan getting more reps now? Yes, I think <laughs> he is. And, you know, you look at that just across the board here, you're going to find out a lot about your wide receiver group over the four weeks of preseason now because all of a sudden mm-hmm. you don't have to cater to either of your top two receivers. So it's... Probably going to be interesting, and there's probably going to be a fair amount of screw-ups, but it's something to keep an eye on now, especially with that wide receiver depth chart opening up and more positions becoming available due to injuries and otherwise. So with that being said, like you said, let's, let's close that out here with the silver lining once again. Justin Jefferson is fully expected to be fully healthy. This is not going to be a long-term issue, and we can all breathe a sigh of relief. Now, moving on here, uh, other reasons for concern. Now, this Kirk Cousins thing – generally probably wouldn't be worth talking about on a podcast, right? It's just, it's not, it's minor, it's minor news. And I'm referencing what Courtney Cronin shared um, in one of her recent tweets about kind of analyzing training camp. And she made mention of just the kind of the way that Cousins has played since missing four games of practice, or excuse me, four practices following the COVID-19 situation ordeal, whatever you want to call it. Now Cousins is seems to be just a little bit off, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it's what what Cronin said word for word is um, to be frank. His performance has been up and down. Cousins said he's n- never missed four straight days of practice, so some of that probably factors into the mistimed and overthrown passes we saw Saturday and the two interceptions from Thursday. Uh, he's appeared visibly frustrated that times also, which is something we don't see too often from Cousins. So couple of things different there. Uh, I mean, yep. now it's one thing, I'm sure, getting into a rhythm, throwing to new receivers, I'm not going to be that worried about the, you know, mistimed and overthrown passes. Like, that'll probably happen when you're trying to get acclimated with new people. But the – it's – and maybe we're totally overthinking this and overreacting to it, but, like, the to me, what's rattling is the visibly frustrated part that – You know, he's never really been that guy. Most of the time he's more, I mean, he, when he's, when he's obviously when he's poor performance, but it's not like he's getting super animated about it. Um, So the fact that that's a noteworthy thing and Courtney Cronin is as trustworthy as anybody when it comes to to Vikings news and information. So um, that's something that, you know, maybe it's just a result of missing a bunch of practices, but.
1: I, I, you know, I kind of honed in on that same piece, right. The visibly frustrated part, because if you think back to this guy's entire career, he's had a lot of different obstacles. One thing we don't give him credit enough for is just the adversity that he's faced throughout his career and his ability to overcome. And I mean, he's not supposed to be a quarterback, starting quarterback in the NFL. Mind you, this is the same guy who was drafted by the same team in the same draft as Robert Griffin, the third, he's never, was never supposed to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. We probably don't give him enough credit for that. But my point being here is that through all of it all through all of it, every piece, I mean, pretty much a class act, right? A little bit boring, in my opinion, a bit of a boner, but he is nevertheless very low-key, level-headed, keeps the kind of the right mind frame that you need to have for, you know, a a league where you're going to lose sometimes, but you need to win as much as possible. I think he's got the mental makeup to do all these things. So, when you see the term visibly frustrated associated with a player who has never shown any signs of visible frustration, despite having numerous occasions to be visibly frustrated, in my personal opinion, I mean, right from draft night, I would have been pissed if I'm Kirk Cousins. Like, That's what right. is the team thinking drafting me? I'm trying to be a starter in the NFL, and you've just got your guy for the next, in theory, 20 years. Obviously, he didn't wake out, work out that way, but this guy could have been visibly frustrated from the day he was drafted, and we've never heard of that before. So I have questions. I mean, is this just natural? The fact that he wasn't practicing for four days and just inherently he's not going to play maybe as consistently or as as well as he personally would like, and that amounts to visible frustration. Maybe it's that simple. What I'm concerned about is that this onslaught of people, myself included to a degree, yelling at him to get vaccinated for the, the best, you know, the best result for this team is seeping into his mind and now he's mad at everyone for being mad at him
0: see I, I don't I don't feeling. buy that I don't buy that okay. I think he's he's so far tuned out of social media stuff there's just no way he's even looking at any of that now there it's possible that maybe there's teammates saying something to him coaches saying something to him that's directly and maybe I that's Mike Zimmer. It. um now if I, I if it Fans, he's, he's you know, he could, he doesn't care what we think or any of the fans think, to be honest. You like or hate him, you know, I don't think he cares. Um, but I, I now, if it's something internal, where it's a teammate or a coach getting on him about it, then maybe that could be it. Um, now, again, we're overanalyzing something probably, uh, and there's That's a lot said, of questions yeah. we're not going to have answers to. But these are just merely theories here. Um, and it's just, I just hope, you know, everything is good. With these guys going into the season where chemistry's fine and they can gel on the field and as this stuff's not you know, an issue, um I just hope that that's it's not something that bleeds into the season
1: so the thing with football and for for everyone that's been watching this for many years like myself, you know that they're never actually going to say what they feel ninety nine times out of a hundred you're not going to get the true sentiment from the player answering the question, right. They're going to do something to dodge it. They're going to blame it on something else. They're going to put it somewhere else. You're not going to get the true answer. You can't walk up to Kirk Cousins and say, hey, I thought you were visibly frustrated today. What was that from? He's not going to tell you exactly why. Like, He's going to have a better answer for that because he's been trained to do press conferences all his life. So we're never going to know the answer. And that's why this type of thing is concerning because all you can judge it from is body language, right? And so generally speaking, like if you think about The times when you like think about the last time you were mad, when you were really pissed off, your significant other did something, your brother did something, whoever it was really teed you off. You're completely irrational, right? You don't like you don't always think super well. Mm -hmm. You don't think intelligently and you absolutely don't tell the person who pissed you off what's bothering you until they dig it out of you most of the time. So we're never going to know the way that you react in that situation and the way that you are acting, you can tell immediately that you're pissed off. So it's like, you can't just shake this and be like, ah, oh, yeah, I was mad because I overcooked the meat ro- meatloaf last night in my ridiculous ass, you know, mm-hmm. machine in my backyard that looks like it's from space. You can say that Kirk, but I have, but I'm still curious. Like I I think this type of situation would weigh on a quarterback. I think this type of situation would weigh on a regular person. And I'm curious, like, does this – I know you don't care about the fans. I don't blame you for not – because we're irrational. We're stupid. We say dumb stuff all the time, and we make fun of literally all the players on our team regardless of how much we love them. I wouldn't listen to us either. But I would listen to my friends, family, coaching staff. Boss. (laughs) Boss, the owners of the organization. It would make me nervous on a daily basis. So I'm curious about this. I want to know, is this a one time thing or is thing this is, something that's going to carry on?
0: We're not going to get answers from, you know, cause well, I should say the, the first presser Kirk had after every, all of this, he was actually weirdly Visibly outspoken frustrated. about things and kind of agitated and things. So I don't know. I mean, I I don't think there's degree, anything to it either.
1: I and think he's just degree, pissed off in the moment.
0: Yeah. Well, and to a degree, I think there's something to be said about, you know, you get on a team with people, and when you're when it's competition time, I think people kind of set aside things, aside differences, and it kind of things gel better than usual. Um, so I think there's when it's time, I think it'll be better. Uh, but you just it's something to at least monitor that. Hey, maybe the everything's not so smooth in that locker room, and maybe that's part of it is these protocols and the decisions players are making on on those.
1: I mean, it's a polarizing situation, right? It's a polarizing world right now. And it, it's really no different, especially when, what is it, 72% of your team is va- vaccinated. That means that there's over a quarter of your team thinks that it's bogus. No, it's I mean, like
0: it's, it's, it's like 65% is only, and it's so like there. I mean, lowest rate in the league. Like
1: One third of your team thinks it's bogus, and two thirds of it are yelling and screaming, saying that this is going to save lives and you need to do this. Like, I can't imagine.
0: I mean, Even purely from a football sense, I mean, it's it's subjectively like fact it's a fact you have an advantage you know yeah if you if the whole team is faxed based on the protocols
1: so and the the nfl wants it that way that's why they set it up this way like you could be mad at the nfl the players are but like they set it up with this intention like Mm. to piss you off so that you look at the rules and you're like ah shit you know what i gotta go get vaccinated like this is how it's gonna be so uh it's an interesting situation. And again, like I said, at the top of the segment, like I don't think typically we talk about this. It's just that we're in that lull of training camp where things are happening, but nothing's happening at the same time. And when your quarterback is different, right? I
0: mean, that, and if we were there, like, it's one thing we used to be able to go to camp and and see the practices and stuff and give our own reports. We're still kind of eyeing what other people see, you know? So uh, we kind of have to, you know, we're, 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 we're working with what we have, I guess.
1: Right. There, it's, yeah, this is secondhand news. Keep that in mind as well. So um, that seems like enough for Kirk Cousins for this show. Let's talk about what the kind of the lingering things going on at training camp here. Um, I want to start with Christian Derrissaw because we've touched on him a couple of times. And obviously, being your first round pick, um, there's mm-hmm. just inherent, you know, implications and people have expectations of you. And one of them is that you're healthy. Lingering injury for Christian Derrissaw. This is making me nervous at this point. Like normally lingering injuries are something to be nervous about, period. But when it's a rookie, you don't know how he responds. He doesn't know the playbook. He's not getting any reps in practice. I mean, we might not see this guy this year. It's making me nervous.
0: Well, it's I mean, yeah, I I wouldn't jump to that conclusion, but um, with You know, I I think it's – you see Zimmer sort of coming out, the frustrated Zimmer with the injuries come out where, you know, he probably shouldn't be, like, upset at a player for being hurt, you know. But he does that sometimes where he kind of has that tone in the press conferences where he's, like –
1: We've talked about this before. Trying
0: to – yeah. Trying to hint at it, like, oh, why are you hurt, you know, because he said something like, you know, well, it's one step forward and two step back and kind of gave this tone like, oh, it's, you know, time to be done being hurt, you know. But – I don't know this the situation here. I think there maybe a, was a surgery or something that didn't go quite as smoothly with him. But obviously, when you uh, you know you first round pick, you you invest that into a guy. Yeah, I would hope the the health part is is looked at and everything. And so um, it's it sucks. Uh, but on the positive side, again, you know, as same thing with receiver, you kind of go in there, you can see how other players are performing in certain roles. So now you have, you know, Rashad Hill in there at left tackle. And we talk about – also we should probably talk about Oli Udo being essentially apparently just doing really well getting that guard look. Uh, but, yeah, it's – dare side, you want the guy out there. Uh, but uh, it sounds like he's – it's an uphill climb at this point to be there regular season.
1: Yeah. It, it, it makes it that much tougher being hurt as a rookie. I mean, we saw what happened with Garrett Bradbury getting hurt going into what it was his, his second year. It's even harder getting hurt in your freshman year in the NFL because straight up, I mean, you're trying to learn so much and at the same time you're trying to get healthy. Like, you want to focus on one thing. And that makes this very challenging. And, I, yeah, I I, I think it's probably too early to say, hey, this guy's not going to play. But I don't – you know, accounting for the way Mike Zimmer deals with rookies, he's probably got – probably not starting until week four, no matter what. And now this, I mean, I think this this – I don't think we're going to see Christian Darrisaw in a game-time situation barring injury until probably week 6 to week 8. That's mm-hmm. the way that this is going for me right now. And I don't, it's not a result of the injury so much as it is he can't be coached as a result and you, like you said Mike Zimmer's pissed. Like you can tell
0: Yeah, like he's obviously he's 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 pissed. He can't really direct it at.
1: It's not fair to be pissed, but like he's mad at the world basically. But it sounds like I think also it's probably
0: uh, it's probably a little bit bleeding in from last year dealing with all the injuries that took place, you know, last year, and then all of a sudden it's already seeping into this year with both Jefferson and Darius. And then all the COVID stuff with the quarterbacks. Like it's probably Mike Zimmer can never just have like a normal year of coaching. So um, he's he's trying to, you know put all of those pieces together but the pieces are kind of they're breaking apart as he picks them up to put them into the puzzle and so he's trying to glue things together and it's just not a smooth process uh, as he wanted
1: the concern here with the left tackle spot or just offensive tackle in general as opposed to the wide receiver spot is that you just straight up don't have any depth like if one tackle goes down you're already working with your your swing tackle and Rashad Hill and you want you signed him to be your swing tackle, a guy that can just slot in when you need him, right. not to be your starter. So, again, something to monitor as well. Uh, Ali, you know, you're right. You brought him up just a couple minutes ago here, too. That is one positive along this offensive line. In, in my opinion, from all the news that I've read about this group, it's been substandard, right? You look at terms being thrown around, it's a work in progress. Uh, mm-hmm. It's, you know... They're not quite up to speed. They don't have all their guys yet. It's just – it's been somewhat disappointing from this group. The positives being Brian O'Neill, of course, who continues to be the guy. You haven't heard a whole lot about Bradbury or Cleveland. I tend to think that's a positive, but, like, you'd like to hear a little bit about Bradbury given his past and Mm -hmm. Cleveland as well, given that he's never been a full-time starter in the NFL. Uh, But Udo has made a lot of headlines. It's not just, like, the – a blogger writing about you know the guy who's having a nice camp like this is national news at this point. The Udo is out there challenging for a starting spot, potentially at two positions, given what's happening with Derasov right now as well. And we saw the news reports early uh, that he was getting in the mix. Now, now
0: no, this is the, I guess, the benefit of the Vikings perhaps overdoing it when they target guys that they want to be able to play in multiple positions. Like I'm always thinking like it's just find a guy that can play a position well and draft that guy, plug him in, you know? Um, but so many times they go out of these linemen that they can move around and play guard and play tackle, play center, um, which is kind of the or Cleveland thing. And apparently Udo is one of these guys though. Like here's the flip. The bright side of that is maybe one of these guys turns out well and can go in and be a starter at guard or compete for the job at tackle, you know? So um, that's the positive And I like to see that now when it comes time for preseason well again that'll be another evaluation piece but um the vikings are kind of due uh for one of these like one of these guys to hit and be a consistent player on the offensive line you know it's been a while since they've really hit on one and again i'm not saying that they've been just hammering these these you know inve- the investments in the offensive line for years but um uh, once in a while for a team a guy like this is a reliable player for a long time. And I think Udo can be that guy that they really haven't had for a while. If they're they invested in a center in Bradbury. Um they just drafted to Cleveland last year. They got saw now. Like they're they're making their draft pick investments finally they're starting to do it. But um Udo is a guy that you know you'd think if if any of these guys hit, um Udo's not the guy necessarily that comes to mind, but based on camp so far, it seems to be like he could do it.
1: Yeah. And that would be huge to see for like we were just saying a group a unit that lacks depth, um, any sort of ascension in any regard. It doesn't need to be Udo, but it sounds like he might be the guy, and that's you know a big plus for this group. Um, let's shift momentarily to defense here, catch up on where they're at, and then I want to talk about the kicking situation and we can get out of here. Mm-hmm. Um, defensively, not a whole lot of news out of camp, and that's kind of – I think that's kind of natural, right? Everyone focuses on the offense because – it's just inherent to the sport. People focus more offensively and especially with this group of defensive players. I mean, you've got a ton of veteran guys who you just kind of expect to go in there, do their thing. It's not, there's not a whole lot of big news just to be generated in general from this unit. One thing I wanted to touch on, and I actually noticed this watching one of those ridiculous um, riddle videos where the Vikings players walk up to the camera and yeah. read a riddle and are hilarious about it. If you haven't seen them on the Instagram page, I highly recommend it. Cameron Dantzler is making me nervous with, the, with his frame. Obviously, he looks super athletic. I think that he's had a pretty solid camp. There have been a couple of plays where he's been on the wrong end of some highlights for some guys. But I'm really nervous about just how skinny this guy is. Coming off of a season where he had a number of injuries, different types of injuries and lingering injuries at that, this guy looks like you can snap him over your knee. And that, that makes me nervous because – you know, if this guy missed almost, you know, what close to half the season last year, and he's not, he hasn't put on, in my opinion, does not appear to have put on the weight necessary to grind through a seventeen-game season. Now, I'm concerned that you're going to need to use Brashad Breland or Mackenzie Alexander on the outside this year.
0: Yeah, that's a that's certainly a concern. Um, and then, you know, we actually were. <laughs> it's funny we're talking. For the show, uh, if we're going to cover the Gladney release, and you're like, ah, it's fine. Everybody, we get the point, you know. There's nothing um, more to talk about, yeah. There's nothing more that to talk sucks. about, but from a football standpoint, it's just another depth piece you don't have. Um, right. so from that aspect, um, you know, and now uh, it sounds like Kenzie Alexander has been doing well, um, uh, getting back in the in the Vikings yep. and the Mike Zimmer defense, um, uh, being more accepting of that role, um, it's kind of in the nickel slot there, um, but it's just. You Know and I, it's not like a skinny corner can't do it. You know, um, Richard Sherman wasn't exactly a thick dude, right? Or isn't Xavier Um, Rhodes
1: is obviously firsthand, everyone knows what he was able to accomplish, so so.
0: it's not like it can't happen. Um, but you know, it's just you have to be a little bit more, you have to have a little bit more grit if you're if you're the skinny guy at corner playing with these guys like DK Metcalf, you know. So, um, it'll be it's another development to watch, and it's the thing is, he. Exceeded expectations by all means last year. Absolutely, um, when he was on the field. So, but now
1: he has new expectations. We reset those expectations based based off of him upsetting expectations.
0: Absolutely, yeah, Uh, yeah. No, that's I, I agree with you. I agree with you. Mm -hmm. But and then you also have to factor in, you know, with Patrick Peterson there and Breland and these guys that can help out a little bit more. Maybe, um, maybe you know that development can happen. Um, I'm not as concerned about the 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 frame, I guess. Um, you know I mean it's not like a skinny like I just said a skinny player can still succeed it's just uh, you know he's got to kind of find his own way if you will uh, technique has to be a little bit different than maybe he's being taught just by guys that are bigger
1: generally speaking it just makes me nervous when you're looking at a position that's expected to be physical within the Vikings defense and the guy isn't physically he's not an asset physically speaking right like his 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 frame is good. It's long. He's got the length to break up passes and so forth. But press coverage off the line of scrimmage. I'm watching Cameron Dancer this year. That's something mm-hmm. I'll keep an eye on. So Fair enough. on the other side of this, um, anyone else on defense that stand up stand out to you positively, negatively? It seems from my vantage point, like it's. I'm good.
0: excited to watch Neil Hunter again. Tell you that. <laughs> yeah,
1: absolutely. I mean, and I, that, he's got it kind sounds of like more of a chip this year, too. He's like talking more. He's got more attitude. it's good.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's. which is good because like the way his contract is now set up where he can kind of, you know, if he is on the field and he plays out like a superstar, you see these contracts that these linebackers and pass rushers are getting. It's he's, he can still, and he's young enough, obviously to earn another big payday, a massive one where he could get 25 plus, you know, million dollars in a season. He might deserve it. And And I think he would, if he's healthy enough, absolutely. But um, another thing too, I just thought of is along the same line. So I was the Darius Leonard contract is the one I was kind of alluding to. These guys are getting absurd money. Eric Kendricks' contract is looking extremely cheap right now for a guy who's probably a top five at the minimum, a uh, middle linebacker in the league. Ten million dollars a year for that guy is uh, stealing. So he's another guy, maybe going to next year. Uh, he might maybe you know try and rework that himself. But that's just another that. thought because he's a that's a star player uh Neil yep. hunter obviously a star player uh bars probably on that fringe but i mean you have bar then you have harrison smith on the back end i mean you have players on this team man it's just uh you know seeing how well this depth these these kind of fringe roster players can keep things up if there's injuries that's the one thing i'm concerned about this team
1: i mean it's funny just the note on contracts like nfl contracts are basically all one-year deals right
0: well especially now
1: yeah. I mean, I mean, it's basically like you could sign a five year contract and, like, that's great. You might have, you know, guaranteed money for three of those years and, you know, some sort of salary. But if, you, bonus if, you, if you, like, show you know, out,
0: vibe, if you show out that year, you,
1: you immediately know, go back then, to the negotiation.
0: Then you're team. like, all right, no, I got the leverage. Like, if I don't, I don't want to show up. I, you know, look, give me more money and I'll show up.
1: There's no middle ground here. It's either you suck and we're going to take your paycheck from you or you're really good and you're going to demand more money. And that's how it should be. I mean, that's. That's how you negotiate in the NFL right now. But, like, that's – there's no in-between. So, yeah, that, that is interesting. I was guess it
0: Xavier uh, how, Howard from the Dolphins who just did that yeah. with, like, four years left on his deal? Yeah. Just He's got, like, another lot of I got ten interceptions
1: million. last year, so I want more money. And, hell, they gave it to him. So, yeah. you should. If you have leverage in the NFL, you should use that because you only can have leverage for about a decade. Especially now
0: years. with these teams, it sounds like, based on the contracts being given out the Josh Allen one, you know – it looks like they're expecting a pretty solid spike in the cap. So um, now's the time where if you're both agent, you know, your agent in the front office, understand if I'm a player and I have that leverage I'm. if I'm Eric Hendricks, for example, I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to try and do this here. You know, and the Vikings do have that cap space left, which might be part of – it might be already happening. These He or Harrison Smith.
1: All right. So defensive side of the ball covered. Uh, Special teams. This is something that I think is already a major red flag, but because of the sideshow that's been going on at camp, we haven't been talking about it as much because generally speaking, no one cares about kickers until they miss a field goal. Right. Yeah. But we have been as a fan base in my experience with you and myself and everyone else, we've been predisposed to be nervous about the kicker position. And this is a situation to me where if you're a good football team, like if you believe this is a playoff football team, you have to be throwing up red flags at the kicker spot right now for the Vikings. Greg Joseph, who is kind of your, uh, I guess your, your, your starter to a degree to get it started. I mean, at the, camp.
0: The, 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 the career is not super promising. And it sounds like it's been shaky for him. Right. Riley Patterson's been decent, but like it, it's it in a way it's tough that there's not one emerging, I guess um, as sort of the go-to guy. And I like that. I mean, I like that they're not going after and drafting a guy, but I don't know. It's, you know, I I just think back to drafting Daniel Carlson and how that, in a way, messed things up. Even though Carlson has become really, really good, but like, what what's so what was so wrong with uh, keeping Kai Forbath? You know, because that's I the feel mo- like...
1: that broke the camel's back, really.
0: Because he was, I mean, he was not perfect, but he made the clutch kicks when he had to. For us. he made perfect the clutch, clutch kicks when he had to, if I remember correctly, from 2017.
1: They're just all inside 50 yards, so no, everyone was pissed. That's That was his fatal flaw is that he right. could connect from beyond 48 yards or whatever it was. And I think I think that was a grass is greener situation where the Vikings were like, oh, this is pretty good. Let's see if we can get better. And everything went to shit. And it's kind of been that way since. And I am here to say that yeah. what, is it, August ninth? I'm nervous about the kicker yeah. position moving forward.
0: Oh, and that's just being a Vikings fan, so, so. –
1: I don't know who it's going to be, though. Like normally, like you have a general idea, like it's like, all right, this is Blair Walsh's job. It's someone else's to take or whatever. Uh, exig- I don't have, I don't. There's there's no. This isn't like that. This is a true blue kicking competition and no one's running away with it. No hell. No one's doing anything to benefit the organization at the kicking spot right now from the news that I've seen. There's been zero consistency. And that's really all you need from a kicker is consistency. Mm-hmm. And you got zero of that from, what, is there three kickers on the roster now? Two for sure. I mean.
0: Bring back Kari Vedvik.
1: Don't do that either. I mean, that's just another deal that ruined the Vikings. Like, we haven't even talked about that. That was the first episode of this specific podcast that we did was Kari Vedvig. Fifth round pick, you traded for a backup kicker. That looks really bad in hindsight. This position sucks. I don't. And honestly, we can bitch and complain about this all the time. I still don't. I'm not going to be able to find a solution. I don't know what to do at the kicker spot because I don't want to draft one. I'm going to get mad if you draft one. I just want you to find one, and I don't know how you do that. Like I, The Vikings are just continuously screwed at the kicker position, and this year looks no different. That's kind of where I'm mm-hmm.
0: at. Yep. Yep. It's, it's pretty normal.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, that being said now, is there anything else about camp that jumped out to you that you want to highlight before we get out of here?
0: Um, I did want to highlight just one event that happened. Um, I'm going to bring it up here on my phone. Uh tweet from Arif Hassan. Um, he's talking about the end of practice today, August 9th. He says, Vikings end with a situational drill. First team offense at their own 25 against a mix of second and third team defense. About a minute and two timeouts left. So down, down by six. So it's a situational thing. Got to come back and win the game. Whatever. Start with a draw play. Classic. And then get a penalty. They still make it all the way to the red zone before not scoring as time runs out. Classic Vikings there. To start with a draw, get the penalty, still make it all the way down where you got the hope. Like, hey, they actually could do this. No. I can just I, see the Vikings losing a game that way this year.
1: I, so, the kind of the, the reaction to that tweet is to be like, ah, ha, ha, like, that's so Vikings. It's practice.
0: It's kind of how they lost to the Cowboys last year, actually. I was
1: just going to say, like –
0: Better than an interception, I suppose, but
1: like, yeah, it's practice. But like, we've seen it translate to the game so much that like, it's not doesn't feel like practice, right? And this year doesn't feel any different. So it's like, there's nothing. Sometimes, like in 2009, I think was the last time when I really no no. 2017, you gotta get a sense of like the team is special, right? Like they can overcome anything. Yeah. We got that sense in 2017. I got it in 2009. I assume our older yeah. generation of listeners got it in '98. This team doesn't have that aura about them. There's nothing special. <laughs> I there might be something special, but for general special purpose, is a this is not a very term. Special team. yeah it, <laughs> it is. But my <laughs> point being here is that there's nothing special to them, so I'm not expecting them to overcome.
0: Because even when in 2019, things, when Kirk made the throw to Thielen to beat the Saints. Even Damn. then, like that happened, and it was like you still didn't trust this team in the crunch time situations. And even last year, they had a couple of nice wins in crunch time, albeit against terrible teams. But it's still it's, a talking point. For it's sure. still, I don't. Know, and a lot of this, we, I mean, elephant in the room. We just gotta say, it, like, it does call back to Kirk Cousins. Um, we still don't trust the guy when it comes down to it. But we're waiting for him to continue to prove us wrong. So. Some good signs last year, you know, that Bears game was a close game. We need to pull off a couple of big first downs and did Panthers game last minute touchdown um, clutch drive against the Jags, I believe. So, um, I mean, it's not like he can't do it. Um, the next part is just consistently trying to put that together against good teams and key uh, in key games where it matters for the playoff stretch, um, which is where he's done it before Saints playoff game, but need to see more of it.
1: I don't know if we'll ever shake that feeling. I was just kind of, That's kind of what I was thinking about while you were saying that. Is that like this isn't just Kirk Cousins? Like he is, of course, you know, the poster child for this issue that the Vikings have. Yes. But I don't think there's anyone on the planet that could make this sentiment go away from Vikings fans. Like if we had Patrick Mahomes, I'm going to give this one analogy, and then we're going to be done. The Vikings had Patrick Mahomes, and last year happened. What happened to Patrick Mahomes? Vikings fans' reaction to that would be a whole lot different than the Chiefs fans. Chiefs fans were like, "I right, we got shelled, that was embarrassing. Let's go win the Super Bowl this year." Everyone's on board. Vegas is on board. We're all like, "It's going to be Tampa and Kansas City all over again." Now, if the Vikings did that run last year that Kansas City had, dominant offensive team, solid defensive team, went on a run, lost the Super Bowl by 30 points, we would not be thinking about, all right, let's run it back. It's all, oh, I know. we did it again. We, you know, we screwed this thing up. Because
0: that's, if again. you think about it, 2009, when the Vikings had just missed it, I I think everybody... We and, thought it was coming of, back. Yeah, yeah, we thought the team was going to run it back. In 2010, all the talent came back, even more so, you get, get Randy Moss in the mix, but yeah, he had all the talent back, and then it just, uh, basically, everything that could have gone wrong did. uh So it's, but like, that was the team that was like, okay, yeah, this team can do it. One mistake away from being in the Super Bowl and they probably win that Super Bowl based on who the opponent was so I don't know uh yeah, you just don't feel with that with this team yet you feel like hey they can make the playoffs're not, right. not gonna win I need to not see more win.
1: to get more yeah. excited but yeah right now, not special that's where I stand that is yes, august correct. things can change of course, but that's where we're at as of today all right, so that about rounds out the show for today I think we covered a lot of ground here uh, made note of you know, the most important events going on in training camp. Uh, We will continue on with what we've been doing in this kind of methodology. I believe the next time we speak, we will have a football game to discuss. So that's the Mm -hmm. first time in what four months or so that we'll have um, legitimate film evidence to take a look at and see where this team stands and see where some of these guys who, you know, of course, you're not going to see the starters for very long, maybe a series at the most, but we're going to finally get the opportunity for all of us to judge where some of these guys stand on the back end of the roster and that's exciting times so looking forward to next episode Uh, as always thanks for listening we appreciate it you can find us on itunes stitcher google play spotify wherever else you listen to your podcast you can look us up on daily norseman as well our shows as well as the rest of the climb in the pocket team are posted there you can leave a comment drop us a line whatever you think we appreciate that stuff and then make sure to check out what the rest of the team is doing Uh, they're doing video content audio content and written content so you can find all kinds of different stuff over at climb in the pocket so Thank you all for listening to us and we will catch you next week.